Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brocco. I'm joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Evening, Steve. Evening. It's evening, this afternoon, isn't it? And we're uh, delighted to welcome back to the pod a uh, regular guest of ours now, Ian Mitchell. Afternoon, Ian. Yeah, afternoon, Matt. Afternoon, Steve. How are you doing, boys? Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. No, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Always a, always a joy. We've got a few things to talk about. Um, we've got the uh, Ipswich game for the Swans, but we're going to start off with the most recent, I think, Steve, because uh, it's probably the biggest bit in the news at the moment, which is uh, Wales's qualifying campaign for Euro 2024. Uh, it came to, well, I say, it, not really an end, a crossroads last night, didn't it? They could have qualified, had things gone their way, but a combination of... Um, one of the worst referee displays we've seen, well, in about two weeks, to be honest, if you include this one Sunday game. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, refs, eh? Can't have a game without them. We wonder sometimes, don't you, if we could just have an automated system or something, because, my God, that one last night. But, yeah, I think we've got to be realistic about it. Um, as annoying and bad as the ref was, obviously it didn't cost Wales in the end, did it? Um, you know, Croatia did their job. Um beating Armenia at home, as um, I think everybody expected them to. I mean, I looked at the stats and... Armenia had two shots. I think Croatia had 700 plus passes. So there was realistically, I don't think there was ever going to be any other result really there. We were asking for a bit of a miracle. So um, obviously a win last night wouldn't have been enough. We, we started quite well though. We had some good chances, scored um, a really good goal. And I think obviously we would have may well have doubled our lead if the referee and uh, VAR had been paying any sort of attention because I think we probably should have had two penalties. Should have had a free kick on um, the edge of the box um, that wasn't given as well. And then Turkey had the worst penalty shout of the lot and it got given and obviously they've equalised from it. So, yeah, a, a frustrated night really. I think we weren't as good in the second half as the first, but I mean, look, it's, it's one of them. It feels a little bit pointless in some ways to get too annoyed about the referee because obviously it didn't um, cost us. I think the second bit would have been if we'd gone to Armenia and won, which we didn't do and we didn't deserve to do, if we're going to be honest about it, because we weren't good enough on the night to get the three points. And I think if we'd won that and then that Turkey game last night, uh, obviously the, the penalty had cost us. We would be raging because obviously it would have been very unjust, but... Look, at the end of the day, we weren't good enough to, to qualify through the group. We've only had three wins in eight games. Two of them were against Latvia. Um, you can't realistically argue about it. I mean, I was looking at some of the groups earlier and what we've had previously. And I think usually what you need to get top two is either five wins a draw and two defeats. Or you need four wins, three draws and one loss. Uh, that's usually enough. I mean, we got a bit lucky in 2020 where we had four wins, two draws and two losses. So... Yeah, I think in that case, you're a bit lucky. I think someone has qualified with that record this time. But in general, that, that doesn't end up being enough. Obviously, Ukraine and Italy, um, they ended both on 14, didn't they? And obviously, one went through and one didn't. So, yeah, I think even if we'd won last night, it wouldn't have been enough. And I think you can't really argue we would have been a result short. And as it stands now, because we didn't win last night, we're two results short. So you can't complain about it. But the good thing is we've, you know, we're not completely out of it. We do have a playoff, but... How that will will pan out, I don't know. But uh, yeah, as you said at the start, not a good referee in display, was it? No, to be honest with you, what I don't understand, you mentioned Ukraine and Italy there. Was, I don't know if you you saw that um, game, Mitch, but the the Mudrik penalty shout in the 94th minute there to what would have sent Ukraine through. Um, Thank God it didn't. No, that wouldn't have helped Wales at all to Terrible. play against Italy. But um, the idea that they've got VAR in these games, I just don't get it because they're not. That's a, that's a clear penalty, an absolute stonewaller. And if you're not there to help the ref out, which is what they told us, that's what it was for. Not to overrun the game, not to re-ref the game. But if the ref has clearly not seen something he should have seen or he would have awarded had he seen, then you help him out and you say, actually, have a look at this. But the same with Wales last night. He could have looked back at the Ben Davis one and gone, hang on, ref, have another look at this, because there's barely anything. He's, he's a, it's a shoulder touch, you know. Is there any real need to give a penalty there in such a big decision? And and then not to go back to the Wales, the Brennan Johnson ones in the first half. You have to wonder. You have to wonder what VAR is playing at, because it, we see in the Premier League and being overbearing, well, it's completely the opposite here, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, what do you think, Mitch? I mean, obviously, you were watching the game last night as well. I'm assuming you're of, I think, along similar lines. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think the big 
frustration for me with VAR, it's it's the process and like you know watching the Swans every week. Luckily, you don't have to be put through it. I've I've been you know, Premier League games and international, and and it just ruins the experience. It's really really horrible. Um, and you know, don't get me wrong, you get the decisions that go your way sometimes. I remember when I think the first one I actually did live was when um, Switzerland scored their second goal against us in the Euros in um, in Baku, and it got disallowed. And obviously, we got a draw, so it was it was fantastic. And that, I think that was my first experience as a a reporter in a live stadium where there was VAR. Um, but it's just the, the, the process that it's working to is is really irritating. It, it infuriates me at the moment. Um, but in terms of last night, the, the, the Wales-Turkey game, the biggest frustration for me was sod VAR. It's a bad refereeing performance. He's given that decision, the foul on Ben Davis. He thinks that's a penalty. Now that's just a dreadful. You don't need VAR to say that's. He should not be making that decision. That's my problem. He's he's just. It's a dreadful refereeing call. And then to see Brennan Johnson get clearly just bundled over, and for him not to say that that's a penalty. Don't get me wrong. VAR should intervene because we always hear the words clear and obvious, and that they they were clear and obvious. But first and foremost, the ref's got to get the calls right. Yes, he's going to make mistakes, but they're just abysmal refereeing calls first and foremost. So we can talk about VAR all we want. It was just an awful refereeing performance first and foremost, wasn't it? Rob Page wouldn't say as much last night, at least immediately after the game, um, Mitch. But uh, I've been winding Steve up before we started recording by showing him um, where the ref was from, which is Slovenia, which <laughs> has a massive border with Croatia. Who could have uh, done with a helping hand from the ref last night? Then it looks like that's what they got. <laughs> yeah, I think you understand that Page was absolutely livid and couple of the players did Nick zone. I think Jordan James was one of the ones who sort of really stuck the boot in. And I think he maybe sort of bit his tongue afterwards. You realise he might have crossed over the mark a little bit. But um, you understand their frustration because at the end of the day, I thought certainly first half last night, Wales played really well, deserved to be in front. Um, second half weren't as good. I think the energy was uh, disappeared really. And we don't have those sort of squad depth to change it in in the ways that maybe we did when you had the, your Bales and Ramseys and, you know, fully fit. Um, but, you know, still, you shouldn't be losing that game when you're 1-0 up and you lose to a, a, a rubbish decision, really. So I, I get their frustration. And, and you, like Steve's already said, it didn't cost us, thankfully. That's that's the one thing. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do feel for them because, you know, you, you want to end the campaign on a high and go into the, the March playoffs, whereas now it's another two games where we've not managed to pick up a win after what was a fantastic win against Croatia. So. You know what I don't get? and We're obviously going to talk about this probably now. It's probably a good time to talk about it. Dan James comes on with five minutes to go. We desperately need to win this game. We Obviously, the players on the pitch, Rob Page will probably know how Croatia's going, but he's still relying. Could get a last-minute equaliser from Armenia. Things could help. Um, he brings on Dan James, takes off Harry Wilson. Now, I'm not saying that Harry Wilson was... Was is all glittering best or anything like that? But you you got five defenders on the pitch. You you roll the dice, Steve. No, you you take the chance. Well, uh, Rob Page has got to come under some scrutiny here. I think the really strange one for me was in um, Armenia, where obviously we really needed to force the issue. Yeah, and he did the same thing really. And I was looking at, it, I think, well, Mepham's on a bucket here, just with half an hour to go. We've got to go. To do we it. have to go for it, yeah. Like, yeah. this must win. I couldn't emphasise enough how much of a must win it was. And obviously, it's been proven that it was because, well, you know, yeah. it, it, was, yeah. it was way too late then last night, wasn't it? So, you know, you've got to... I did understand why in that game, for example, he went with a five at the back. Cause, and if anything, I was quite pleased that he Stuck left one team. or two on the bench because we'd done well against Croatia. Yeah. I did think it made sense to certainly start that way and then maybe later on to go for it. But, yeah, I think it's you've got to sometimes be a bit more... You have to risk more, don't you, sometimes in certain games. And I think, you know, you've... I, I think the thing I really didn't get along with that is Dan James came on quite late, didn't he? When? Like last say, night. Last so, night, yeah. yeah. Like 85, 86 or something. It was, I think yeah. it, was, it was more about 78, I think. But then five minutes later, Kiefer Moore comes on. I'm thinking, well, he's got even less time now. Why not bring them both on together? And it, I, I don't think either of you will know this because you weren't at the game. But when um, Kiefer came on, I think it was for Nico Williams, wasn't it? Um I think it was David Brooks and Brennan Johnson were like gesturing to the benches to say like, what are we doing? Like, what's the plan? Who now goes where? What formation yeah. are we playing? Yeah. And you're thinking like, well, surely we've talked about this, haven't we? Like, um, you know, in the build-up that if we need a goal, we might go down this route of like a 4-4-2 and you know, certain players were playing certain positions. But the fact they were gesturing suggested to me that they didn't really know what we were doing. And I think that is that is a problem. I mean, 
Look, Page has taken a lot of stick. He did the Croatia game. We seemed to have a good plan and we did well. But, I mean, the issue is no one really believes in him today. I mean, you're looking at the Turkey manager, Vincenzo Montella. I mean, he's managed, you know, a couple of hundred games at Serie A level, I think, isn't he? Our manager has managed at League Two level without great success. Now, that is the difference. Like, it, it might sound harsh, but it's a fact. I mean, I'm not sure what the, what the credentials of the Croatia manager is, but I'm assuming he's managed with a couple of tournaments previously and stuff like that. But, I mean, th- this is the big weakness that we've got. I mean, look, we're not as good as we were, without a doubt. We are, we are missing those star players that we've had previously, but we haven't got a bad side. And we've got a little bit of depth. I wouldn't say we've got great depth, but we we had a couple of players on the bench last night that you felt could come on and, and obviously do a job for us. So, But what we really need is a, a better manager to um, obviously have a proper plan and to get the best out of what we've got. And I don't think Paige has done that really for for quite a while. But there's a problem now, isn't there? I mean, Mitch, do you think he could lose his job? This is the question before the playoffs. I mean, it'd be a big call to do it now, wouldn't it? Because obviously yeah, the exactly. next manager's only going to get three or four days before what potentially could be the two biggest games or certainly one if we get through the, um, of a new manager's tenure at the start. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I think we sort of briefly touched upon it before we started recording, but, you know, the, the logical time would have been after those two games to Turkey and Armenia in the summer, wouldn't it? Because it would have given a new manager couple of games to sort of bed in a few separate or three camps it would have been in total wouldn't it September October and this month then you know had it still been playoffs at least they could have had you know a bit more time to prepare for that then again but you know for, for whatever reason that you know that they stuck by him and, and that was their choice um well it might not have been Noel Mooney's choice but it did happen anyway so um <laughs> but yeah in terms of could he be sacked? Well, yeah, absolutely, because we failed in the qualifying campaign. So there's, there is a, that discussion will be had, and I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen very soon with Noel Mooney, Steve Williams, and, and Rob Page. They'll get together again, like they always do after camps. But um, do I think he'll go? No, I, I think they'll stick by him because, like you just said there, Steve, it, it's you know you straight into the next block of games. It's just not the right time to change, and a new manager would literally get three or four days to work with the players, and then he'd be straight into a semi-final. So. Yeah, if, I think if we, you know, if it doesn't pan out as we hope in the playoffs, then, you know, that's probably when you'd be looking at it because then there'd be, we did be Nations League and then World Cup qualifiers after that. So there's more of a gap then. So then you got to remember about finances as well. You know, they don't want to be paying off managers and, and going down that route because, you know, funds are really tight at the moment at the FAW and, you know, not qualifying for the Euros will only make things worse in that regard. So. That's a long way of saying I don't think he'll go. Sorry, by the way, I waffled a bit. No, that's fine. I, I do find it baffling with the FEW. I've got to be honest that you know the finances are not great. We think we made a lot of money from getting for the World Cup, and you know there has been this talk that finances are not good. It just just baffles me really. But um, I mean, they, I think the FEW, from my point of view, have backed themselves into a corner here. They've, you know, they, it's very difficult to change the manager now, and I just think if we don't qualify. Like regardless of what they do, I think they are going to take the brunt of the blame, and I think they deserve to more than the manager even, because as I've said, they had that chance in the summer to make that change. A new manager would have had three camps to bed in, and then knowing probably knowing that he would have a playoff and that you'd be building towards that, and that would be fine. Whereas now, if you stick with Page, it'll be you should have gone sooner, which is understandable. You should have, or it'll be if you bring a new manager in, you didn't bring, you brought in a new manager in, and they've had a matter of days to work on something. And it's like a gamble that's backfired. So I think Mooney's position could be under threat, certainly uh, from a fan point of view. Anyway, I think that he's probably lost some support already, but I do wonder if people will want him out. But I mean, well, got to, he's, 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 put his, he's hung his hat on this decision, isn't he? Absolutely. When he's had lots of meetings. You know, even though it does sound as if you know the speculation was that he might want him out. But, yeah. you know, um, it's not entirely his decision. But unfortunately, I think the, the problem is with this sometimes, you've just got to, there was a lot of speculation before the Croatia game and I was thinking this is a bit harsh here because we've beat, just beaten Latvia and like yeah. yeah we've got Croatia we expect to lose and if you sack him after that though, like, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing to change since the summer is it we'd beaten the team we'd expect to beat previously yeah. so you just make the decision when at the, the sensible time which was the summer but then obviously you beat Croatia and then you can't sack it then because you know the players have come out and defended him and they've put in a really good performance and you've just you know it's like indecisive isn't it You've got to sometimes just make a decision, I think, and end all speculation. But they didn't do that in the summer. And then it almost felt like the speculation was worse in the autumn time when the season started than in the summer. So the whole thing's baffling, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That's it. it, Sorry, go on, Matt. No, I was going to move it on. Go on, you you say what you were going to say. 
Yeah, no, like, like you were just saying there, so they had a, a logical time to do it. They didn't, and you know you've got to reput you. So whatever comes from that, because if we do qualify, you know, let's be honest, we've still got a chance. Um, then you know they'll say fair play. They, they've backed a man who's also taken us to Euros and to a World Cup as well. So yes, we had Bale. Yes, we had Ramsey in peak form and stuff as well. But you know, at the end of the day he will feel he's got the support of the dressing room and they showed it in that Croatia game where, you know, in, in the summer, it was just two dreadful performances and we made a lot of mistakes, you know, as players as well. Paige received a lot of criticism, rightly so. But yeah, even even in Armenia the other day, I don't think that was entirely on Paige either. There was about six or seven players who were nowhere near what they should be doing. You know, Nico Williams hitting a man right in front of him with a cross where he's got 10 yards of space and, you know, the ball bouncing off Kiefer Moore and Ethan Ampadu couldn't play a little layoff to Brennan. You're really, really basic stuff. So, you know, they have to, players have to look at themselves as well because we can't keep saying we're in transition and we haven't got bail anymore. Well, yes, we've known this for a long time now. It's been nearly a year since he's retired. or It's been a year this month or this week, even since he last played for us. So, you know, it's not new. So it's, it's there's a lot on the players as well, I think, because at the end of the day, they're the ones that have got to go out and perform and, Take take over from you know the, your Bales and Joe Allen's and them boys these days, aren't they? Consistency has been a real issue, isn't it? You have one game yeah. where you think, oh, hang on, and that's when he goes and sticks with the same eleven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then you think, well, where's the other, where where was that performance gone? Well, there's there's I think throughout his reign, there's been the odd exception of a good performance. I remember, um, for example, a couple of years ago, we went to Prague in the Czech Republic and we played really well. We drew two two, but I thought we should have won. Should have won, yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. yeah, we played really well, didn't we? And I remember then in Estonia a couple of days later, we ran the, a couple of banks, I think. But then the game came and we did win, but we were bloody awful. And I was thinking, oh, where's the performance gone from literally a few days ago where we were playing against a nation that was far better and now mm. we've played a lot worse? It's just, I think that's the frustration, really. I we mean, are finding that we're playing a little bit up in our game, yeah. a little bit against the bigger... Yeah. I, I do, I do wonder as well sometimes, are we actually better against the teams we're yeah. not so sure we're going to beat? Like, because you'd argue Armenia... Before yeah. a ball was kicked, you certainly expected four points, maybe six, and we've done terribly. Mm-hmm. And I think well, against Croatia, I know we were outplayed over there, nicked the draw, we were a bit lucky, to say the least. But obviously we played well against them at home. We didn't play badly last night. So maybe we're better in those games. As I say, that example of Czech Republic away, where we played really well. So maybe those games just, maybe they suit us better. I don't know. I mean, there is a discussion about Ramsey, I think. You know, does he, you know, did, would we have beaten Croatia if he played? Not that I'm saying he's, you know, on ability, he shouldn't play, but... Obviously, is no because the team was a lot more dynamic in that game, yes. a lot more fluid. Yeah, what, what do you make of that, Mitch? This Ramsey debate. He'll, obviously, if he's fit, he's going to play, isn't he? But yeah, do, are we might be better without him in some games? Or <laughs> it's, it sounds like a mad debate because he's one of the best players of our generation, um, and still is in my in my opinion. I still think he's up there. He's had a great season at Cardiff, in fairness, when he's been fit. Um, and for me, if he's fit, he plays. Simple as that. I, I don't think it's. I was going to say, I don't think it's a debate. We're having a debate right now. But I, I know what you mean in terms of there was a good balance, but I found when he's played deeper, it hasn't worked. And, you know, if we've had maybe Harry Wilson and Ampadu, but now that we've got a proper midfield set up with uh, Ampadu and Jordan Jordan James, by the way, what a play. He's, he's having a... Yeah. He's, been yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's filled a big void, I think, hasn't he? Massive. Yeah, massive. <laughs> yeah he's, he's, he's been brilliant since he's come in. Um, so I think that gives a player like Ramsey more licensed now to do what he's best at doing and he doesn't have to worry about the defensive side and you know, we sorted the World Cup where he, he just looked lost and yet his running stats and everything he, I think he was the, the best of any Wales player in that tournament and yet you look at him what he contributed and it was you know he, he wasn't the only one in fairness but it just didn't work for him and I think that's because we just never really managed to get that midfield dynamic because obviously we were missing Joe Allen at the time as well so um, but yeah, when when he's fit, he plays for me. I think you don't have to worry about that midfield issue anymore. And, and just what he gives you in the final third that we don't, re- you know, DJ, Brennan Johnson, Kiefer, well, not so much Kiefer Moore, but, you know, these attacking Harry Wilson before Croatia, you know, we weren't getting enough goals and assists from these players. David Brooks as well. You know, granted, I know he had his own situation with the cancer and stuff. So to, for him to even be playing is incredible. But, you know, when, when you got Bale, there was always goals, there was always assists. Same with Ramsey, but the other players don't. We don't get enough of that. I think Nathan Blake said it on on Radio Wales last night in terms of, uh, sorry, it was Ewan Roberts. It was um, sort of questioning the contributions of these players over a number of years. So, yeah, Ramsey's a guy who does that. So he, for for me, he does play. Yeah, I think one issue we have got. I was thinking about this last night. It's like I almost feel like this. The, it's like we've gained two points in this group from long throws, haven't we? It's like <laughs> the, there was the one in Croatia and the one in Armenia. 
and you think that, that really shows that we're not doing a lot and the other thing we've got I suppose is that we have got Harry Wilson with a free kick so I know he hasn't scored one in this campaign but I wonder if that's a way where we can score but it, it just feels like we're out of ideas in a lot of ways because we just haven't done a lot yeah, and that, that comes back to why I think Ram, Ramsey's got to play because he's he's the kind of guy that can, you know, set something up or play that you know, final third pass that the other players don't really do. So, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. If Look, he'll play, really, obviously, if he is fit. I think, yeah. I think more what I'm thinking in some ways is are you better off having him for half an hour at the end as opposed to him playing an hour, if that makes sense, because you can just sort of keep yourselves in shape and then bring him on to maybe try and win the game. I don't know. But the, the tricky issue is, obviously, look, if he was 100% fit and he could run for 90 minutes, he's in the team, isn't he? Yeah, but the question with him is, quite, especially in these playoffs now, say that we win the first one, we get another one, can he play 90 minutes twice? Well, that's the key question, isn't it? You know, this camp was the first one in since the summer, I think, that we had two competitive games in the same camp because all the others, we've had the friendly in between. So we were able to sort of prep for one big game and, and you know, we, we played pretty well out in Latvia, should have been more comfortable, played brilliantly against Croatia at home. And and in this camp, I just thought we just ran out of energy in Armenia and same in the second half against Turkey last night. So we could have this exact same issue if we do manage to get through in into the final next term, March. You know, do we do we hit burnout again? And like we touched upon the squad, you know, do, do you have to sort of change things up in terms of maybe be careful with Ramsey and, and them sort of boys? Yeah, you think so. At least there is, I think it's a Thursday and a Tuesday, isn't it? As opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, the usual of, uh, you know, the, there's two extra days turned around. Yeah, that will exactly. be a, that'll be a bit of a help, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean what, what are we thinking in terms of what we want? I mean, from my point of view, we definitely don't want Ukraine. I mean, for everyone that's no, listening, good, the draw's probably been made by the time you listen to this, but we can either have Ukraine, Iceland or Finland, can't we? <clears> and I mean, from my point of view, Iceland are the weakest, I would probably think then Finland, and I think there's a reasonable gap then to face in Ukraine, who, from my point of view, we certainly don't want to face. And then, But then you were just talking about how Wales up their games against the better ones, isn't it? Mm, it's very yeah, hard, isn't it? I think there's like a balance here, because I do wonder if Iceland could be very cautious, and it could be tricky, but Ooh, their record's yeah, well-be. Their record's tricky and recent, no, poor, though, in recent years. But they do have, obviously, a, a free kick taker that's very good. And is now back on the scene. Is he still back? Is he playing back yes, them again? I, I think yes. he is, yes. Oh, okay. Okay. So... That would, you know, that would make things tricky, I think, for us potentially. Um, I don't think Finland are brilliant, but they probably come and have more of a go with us. But then, like I yeah. say, I don't want. Let's be honest about it. We, you know, we robbed Ukraine. They were a lot better than oh, us. Oh yeah, but the, the whole day. world thought we robbed Ukraine I, yeah, because they, of the circumstances. Well, I, I well. when we got our karma because we were terrible at the World <laughs> Cup. But yeah. you know, um, let's you've got to think the same. And the Ukraine—that's the team we want to avoid, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think I probably would go for for Iceland but I think either Iceland or Finland you'd look at as probably being a bit more preferable but, you, know, you look at Ukraine as a team they're just really well drilled they like them and they've got a lot of individual talent as well so you know they, they remind me of the sort of how Wales were in that sort of 2016 era where we were just really good a lot of good sort of Premier League championship players but we had some stars in there as well you know you're looking at some of the ones that they've got and yeah like we've been talking about the refereeing situations I mean for me, they had a stonewall penalty not given against yeah, us last yeah, year as well and committed a foul. They had a mudrick the penalty the other night and that should have been given. And, you know, so maybe that'll come against us next year. <laughs> yeah, you do think last time we were a little bit lucky to say the least. I mean, the, yeah. you know, wherever it's called Austria at home and then Ukraine at home. I mean, you could have added to the or Portugal. Obviously, you could have been away. Um, the games were spaced out. I don't think Baylor Ramsey would have been great in the final if it was a few days later so it did feel a bit like everything went for us really didn't it so it did, yeah. you know we'll we'll soon find out I mean what? you know right it just, it just came into my mind a few minutes ago um, and it's a long way away for now but if Wales were to qualify via the playoffs would you sack Rob Page then? That would be incredibly harsh, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean like if he, if he didn't have the Nations League yeah. playoff then oh, you would be looking at a failed Euro campaign year and we just like not I, going. So this could be something. Like I, I, look, he's, look, he's not the right man. I think that's obvious. But I mean, you're not going. That's not going to happen, is it? I mean, the truth is, if we, I think, if we do qualify, it could be safe for a long time because no one's going to expect the World Cup qualifying. Uh, no one's going to think we'll reach that. So he's 16 places compared to 24, it will be hard. And we may well be a third seed now because we've not done great in yeah, this group. Yeah. So that may, it'll make it even harder again. Um, and obviously, 2028, there's a fair chance we won't have to qualify. So, 
you know, then if if you didn't if you don't do badly in a World Cup group, even if you don't qualify, in theory, you could be safe. I think, but I mean, we know that the chief exec, as far as we're aware, isn't too keen on him. So who knows what's going to happen? Is the honest thing. But I think if we qualify, he's not getting sacked. I'd be absolutely amazed if that happened. Wales haven't sacked someone since the mid nineties, so they're not going to sack someone for qualifying. I mean, we can start a campaign. Well, I think people have been on the case for the, to book this bloke out for months on end, but arguably over a year. But yeah. he's still there. He is, and he's. Um, I think we were talking before we started recording about him uh, batting away the question with a one-word answer last night um, on his future. Yeah. Um, well, look, he's not going to stand down, is he? He knows he's not going to get a job as good as this again. I mean, my dream remains that um, Cardiff City come in and kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I thought that might happen at one point, but I don't think it will now. So, um, yeah. Well, look, he's... I think he'll be there for the playoffs and then depends how we do, doesn't it? I think if it goes badly, he could be out. But if it doesn't, then he'll be there. He'll take the tournament and I'm assuming he will lead us into World Cup qualifying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you feel like an opportunity has been missed um, some months ago than where we could have made the change now and then built for the future. But it does feel like we're treading water a little bit now, doesn't it? And seeing, you know, we, we, if we went to Germany... Is it going to be a similar situation to Qatar, yeah, I, where we just kind of stumble and fall at the first turn? I, mean, yeah, I think we're not going to do much in Germany, I don't think. The only thing is, of course, because of the format, one win does sometimes mean, doesn't it, that you yeah. get through to the next stage and then... like I think it's now, can't you, in sometimes, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Northern Ireland, did they beat Ukraine maybe in Euro 2016? And then, obviously, we faced them, didn't we, in the last 16? They certainly beat somebody in it to get through, so... I mean, it, it can happen. I mean, it's not impossible, is it? Like, um, you know, I'd say if it was like a two two teams go through group, then it'd be very unlikely that uh, we would progress. But I mean, once you're there, I mean, you you don't know so many things come into it, doesn't it? The fitness of players, the form of players. Sometimes you just peak at the right time. I mean, I know Wales did superbly in 2016, but we we were never a you know a top four in Europe side realistically, were we? We just you know just a few things went for us. We we were playing really well and. Obviously, we found ourselves into a semi-final, so, you know. We look at yourself in the situation, taking it back to what we were talking about 10 minutes ago about Gareth Bale and stuff, and not having that superstar, standout superstar for the Wales squad now. Not just what his work would be on the ball, but quite often, you'd have to put two men on him, especially in his pocket. Yeah. And then you'd have the chance. So it's why, like, so how Robson Carno was able to shine in Euro 2016. You know, you'd have players like Ramsey and Alan, whatever, who'd be able to occupy opposition players and give the little bit of half a yard of space then. Yeah, but it's just the fact that we had a plan. We, had, we knew we yeah. had two top players. So we thought, right, how can we get the best out of them? So we put them both into the team behind the striker. We played five at the back because we didn't really have any wide players. And then we decided, like, Carno, for example, would play up front and work his socks off just to try and, you know, create openings. And yeah. he himself never scored many goals for Wales, but obviously when he did score, they were big goals. Yeah. And some of them were, one in particular was spectacular. So it was just a very good team, but we we had an idea of how to get the best out of, of what we've got. And mm-hmm. I think... Page has struggled to do that in general. Um, he's been relying on those players. He's got to give us that bit of magic. And it's a more rounded squad now, isn't it? It's more. It's less. Um, five. I mean, when you look at the likes, without any disrespect at all, when you look at the likes of Jazz Richards playing against Belgium and Mark and Eden Hazard, yeah. you look at the squad. You're at a different kind of level now, where you're thinking you've got to balance this across the eleven on the pitch. I mean, yeah, we don't really have any stars now, do we? I mean, you'd probably say Brandon Johnson and Ben Davis obviously are our best two players, but. I mean, Brennan hasn't been great for Wales so far, I don't think. I mean, I'll, I'll stick up for him because obviously a lot of his appearances have been from the bench. And obviously until the last year, he wasn't, you know, I would say someone you'd like to consider starting. But I think in that time, there haven't been, you know, too many standout moments for him. I think it will come, but maybe we need to find out how to get the best out of him, for example. So, yeah, it's just, you know, I, th- I think this is where it does come in, where a better manager would maybe know what they were doing, but look, we can talk about this forever, can't we? They've not decided to make a change. We're stuck with it. And if we don't qualify and we're not living the dream in Germany, which is one of the best countries to host a tournament, you know, I'm going to be a very angry man. It wouldn't people are going to get it. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first. That was an interesting one there, Steve. You were saying, you know, I had this conversation with a few mates the other day. Um, this is the first time since when that we haven't had proper stars in the team. 
you you, you had Bale and Ramsey for so long, gig, gigs before that, and yeah, yeah we've know, got no one playing in the Champions League, for example, have we? Yeah, exactly. You know, before that, you always had you know Sparky, Neville, Southall, Rush, these boys, and yeah, yes, yeah, you know, those teams never qualified, but yeah, this is the first time in well, all of our lifetimes probably that we haven't had a, a genuine global superstar in the team. Yeah, we've been quite lucky because we're not a big country, as everyone knows, and. But we have produced some unbelievable players, really. Uh, far, far more than you would think. The two best left-sided players in probably British history, both the Wales. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you think so. And like you said, Neville Southall was mentioned just then. I yeah, mean, well, he, 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 he was, if not the best, one of the best yeah. at the time. And I mean, yeah. you know, Ian Rush is Liverpool's record goal scorer. There's, there's been so many top players that Wales have produced. But I mean, at the moment, we've got good players, I think. But we've, you know, we, we don't have that star, do we? I think that's definitely... Fair to say, but we're not a bad side either. We've, you know, I think we're we're definitely good enough to qualify, go to this tournament. We're yeah. not good enough to go to the World Cup now, but yeah, we'll we'll soon find out, I suppose. But we haven't been good enough to get through this group. That's the the disappointing thing. But we've still got a chance. That's the, you know. We'll say this: it wouldn't be the first time we've recorded a podcast, and then there's been news about an hour after we finished recording, and it's completely made the podcast pointless. <laughs> yeah, Paige was to have it. <laughs> yeah, nah, he's lucky. I'd be. He's well. He's travelling to Switzerland for this draw tomorrow. So I would, if he gets sacked before <laughs> that draw, I would be shell shocked. Like we'd have to be levels. Imagine right. he was still there. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like Wheedling when yeah, Bradley was announced. I'm trying to think. There must be a, one or two clubs that would probably go down that route, but no, I, we wouldn't. I mean, no. Turkey sacked him in the summer, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, they were top of the group at that point, and they, they lost to someone yeah. in the friendly, and they they booted him out. Got to make those decisions, I mean. It's just brutal, and I wish. But I do wish we had obviously had the uh, you know the balls to make a decision like that, but we didn't. Yeah. Well, there's there's likenesses, I suppose, when you look at um, the Swans. If we move on to that now, because we started the early season in dreadful form, um, Nitch, and there was a lot of talk, no wins in the first seven, and you're thinking, oh, this guy might leave the club just as soon as he's arrived. Yeah, I, I was really worried at the start. And, you know, I think I spoke to you around about in the middle of that run, it might have been, or towards the back end of it. And, you know, I remember that the Bristol City performance was just abysmal. Even when they went 1-0 up, I thought, what is going on? It was terrible. And then Cardiff was somehow even worse, I think, in some ways. Well, I think we must have spoken just before the Cardiff game, was it? Yeah, I remember we did have a chat about that, yeah. And and that was the thing, you know, we were just looking and thinking, what on earth? It was it was terrible, wasn't it? And yeah, you start yeah, thinking then going into the international break, you know, they would have had the question of, you know, do we make a change? And I think they got a not lucky, but they had a nice run of winnable fixtures. You know, Sheffield Wednesday were just dross at the moment, QPR a bit of a mess and unlucky not to win there. And Millwall, they you know, they sacked their manager not too long after winning there. So he turned things around a little bit, but it seems like they're, I wouldn't say they're back in that mode because they've definitely improved, but I'm just still not fully convinced in terms of what the, the plan and the style is. And this comes back to what we were chatting about with, you know, Rob Page and not having stars. And it means you have to have a, a clear and obvious plan. Russell Martin, whether people liked him or not, and I know there was fans were divided on him at Swansea, but you always knew what he was trying to do. So you could at least say, well, OK, cool. If it's not working... Maybe he was a bit too stubborn at times, but he believed in it and he had a plan. But, you know, I'm just not fully sure on what Swans are trying to do at the moment. And I think maybe that's probably why you're getting so much inconsistency. Obviously, the, the massive changes over the summer doesn't help either, as, as everyone at the club will keep telling you. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know what you think, boys, because like you say, you, you're there every single week. And, you know, what is a Michael Duff Swansea team, do you reckon? I say, it's hard to say. I mean, one problem we've definitely got, though, I would say, is that obviously... But, uh, we were talking there about Bristol City and Cardiff at that point. We were still playing five at the back. And it just felt as if we, you know, it was desperation from Duff really then to change it to a back four. And it did work initially. But, I mean, we're unbalanced again really now because obviously we didn't sign it. Well, we signed one winger in the summer and obviously now he's out for the season, Janelli. Mm. So we're sort of shoehorning people into the team now. Cullen has played that wide right for much of the season. Obviously, Lowe's played on the left. That's fine. But... Yeah, we're playing now in a way where obviously we didn't intend to play this way, but we were short of wide players. So it's not, you're never going to be as good as maybe you'd like to be because of that. And I mean, I'm looking and thinking Cullen's taken some stick, which, you know, I think he is limited at wide. But at the same time, I think he's, you know, he's doing his best. 
Um, and we don't have really have anybody else. I mean, Yates hasn't been great up front, but he's not had much service. So you think it could you change that and put Cullen up top maybe? And but then who goes out wide? It's it is a bit of a, an issue really because we, like I say, we were going to play with five at the back. So that's that hasn't helped us. But we haven't played great, I think, in a lot of games. I mean, recently we've you know the we before um, the the last time we recorded was after the Sunderland game, and we agreed, didn't we? I think myself and Matt that we was ten. With ten men, we were actually better, weren't we? Oh, so than with eleven. They, yeah, they, yeah, they were going to beat us with eleven, though. I would have thought they yeah. carved us open loads of times. So, yeah, um, it's not been brilliant, has it? To say the least. <laughs> the Ipswich game the other day started very well, good control, good, and this is where I get confused. Um, I know Duff's kind of the, I guess, a little not quite the antithesis of Russell Martin, but not a million miles away from it because Russell Martin didn't care about what the opposition did he had his way he was going to play that way and it was it was just completely you know uh tunnel vision on that and michael duff has gone the other way and said he's going to do all his work really on off the ball and kind of make sure the team is more solid off the ball make sure they they can win it back quickly and stuff but then you see we're not putting together too many good passages of the play when we do have it and the percentage of possession has dropped and you see in the passes are getting less and it's almost as if we're more concerned with right they have the ball now why do we get it back and when we get it we're not 100% sure what we've got in in mind ourselves then and we talked about the formation issue um a massive advocate of four at the back and I hope we stay with it but we need to make sure we have the players to play if we're going to play the three out wide because you touched on it. Yates doesn't suit that lone striker role for me at all. He looks like a lost sheep a lot of the time. And people will say, oh, look at the yards he's running. Look how, you know, he's working hard. That's fine. He's chasing shadows. He's not doing a lot. He's just running himself into the ground, feeding off scraps. So, um, but yeah, it, it does appear to be a lot more work off the ball. Um, and, and then you end up with the Ipswich situation then where you, have yeah. a, you take the lead. But as soon as Ipswich come back at us, they carve us open. It's, it's, it's quite a funny game, really. I mean, there's a lot of goals in it, obviously. But, yeah, we've, we've started really well, scored a nice goal for, with a header. We didn't then, know how to control that then, did we? No, but I suppose the one thing I will say for us, I think we're slightly unlucky, where if they haven't done much, then they've just scored a worldly and it has turned the game. Yeah. So I'll give them, I, I do think that can happen on occasions. But then they got in so many times, didn't they? Yeah. The amount of chances, that, like, because I didn't think Ipswich were... You know, like possession-wise and stuff like that, they didn't really dominate in the way I thought outside in their position in the league would have. But my God, did they create good chances? And I was thinking, they should they, have scored four. By yes, they, they should have been out of sight, shouldn't they? That's, they're that's, a clinical side, aren't they? they, they they've, I think they've scored in is it some like 37, 38 games running? It's, it's you know they're always a threat, aren't they? That's the thing. And I know what you mean in terms of style, Steve. It's not like a, a Leicester or a, a Burnley last year or something like that. It's, it is different, isn't it? But. Um, Strange, yeah, strange, strange game. I, I wasn't there, obviously, but um, you know, to take the lead so early was, you know, it must have been sort of a bit of a confidence booster. But they sort of kind of just got blown away with two really quick goals, didn't they? Um, and I, I don't know if that sort of sapped the confidence and the energy and stuff. And, and then obviously Cullen getting the red card in the second half didn't help either. But um, was that that was yeah that was just after the third goal, wasn't it? So yeah, um, but yeah, I, I mean Ipswich are a good side. I think I think they're certainly contenders to go up maybe even automatically if they can keep this up but um so I, I wouldn't be overly concerned with with that kind of game but it was just some of the other ones even since the the bad run at the start and the, and the good run that followed that I mean there's just been a lot of performances where it's just a little bit flat and you sort you know you just want to see a little bit more and maybe it'll come and I think they want to be really busy in the transfer window in January don't they I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't make a couple of signings at least you know maybe two or three um yeah. Especially with the injuries, you know, you're talking long-term ones with Janelli, as you already mentioned, and and Joe Allen, um, Nathan Wood as well, Azim Abdullah, who was just coming in. So, you know, the, I think they will be active and they'll try and solve some of those problems that you've already touched on, particularly like the wide thing. Because I agree with you, I, I, I don't like Cullen playing out wide. It's not his position. Um, Yates, obviously, yeah, he's limited, I think. Um, but he's, he's also not had proper service and, and the help that he's maybe had in, in other clubs and in other styles, particularly like Blackpool, where they play to his strengths a lot more. So, yeah, I think that'll be a work in progress. And I'd, I'd like to think that they'd be better after January as long as they can get the business done, which by all accounts, they should be fine to do because, you know, there is there is a bit of money there um, by all accounts, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, my frustration really is that 
you know, in, in terms of the bigger picture, that all they had to do last year was give a couple of quid to Martin and surely would have ended up in the playoffs. Whereas this year now, they've they have decided to back, but obviously we've sold a few and you know they've done it in the wrong year, really. But you know, I mean, are we? How do you assess the squad? Because there were, there were some weaknesses last year, as everybody knows. I mean, the goalkeeper being an obvious one, obviously right back. We don't, we don't manage to get through a podcast without mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've done it yet this season. <laughs> no, we don't. But yeah, if it's an obvious weakness, isn't it? As I've said many times, right right back was a weakness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That obviously has improved and stuff like that. But obviously we've we've lost Ryan Manning. I don't know if, I don't, I don't think Tymon's as good as him personally. I'm not criticising him. I still think he's a decent player. Obviously, we've lost Perot, um, who could be quiet on occasions, but he's good for 20 goals. I mean, what, what do you make of us in general? Because to me, it looks as if there's more depth um, and stuff like that. But I don't know if we're... Are we as good? We're probably sort of similar in that sense, I guess. But then we're stronger in different positions and we've got weaker in others. Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? And I mean... Put in put Carl Rushworth into that team last year, and I think there's a massive improvement. I agree with you on that. Um, but then again, it's you know it comes down to the style, and Rushworth's not really been asked to do uh, to, to play in the way that Andy Fisher no, was last year, or even Stephen Bender. In fairness, because you know let's be honest, they, they Swans really changed their game when uh, was it that QPR game? Stephen Bender came in and they won one nil, and it was totally different to what we'd seen. Under, yeah, yeah, under, yeah, yeah, the, the, the ludicrous goal kick routine was gone. That was it, yeah. Well, funnily enough, I did a piece on that in the week before and then, then they changed the goalkeeper out that weekend. So, yeah, you're welcome, boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very so, much. We are <laughs> yeah, but I, I just remember watching, it was the Stoke game where they had about five or six goal kicks and they didn't even oh, get out God. of the half. And, oh, Stoke, no, the, the Stoke one was, um, I think we played out and then we, we lost the ball about 25 yards. A guy had a shot and we're at the bar and you're just thinking, if that, that goes it. in, I guess one of the most abysmal goals it. to give away. We I? kept losing the ball in the same oh, goal kick routine and you're I thinking, know. they're not learning. <laughs> it's just yeah. See, this is what happens when Steve mentions Andy Fisher again. It's a... Uh, Literally in the car on the way to the game last night, he got mentioned numerous times, and it's just yeah. Because of the history. Oh, talking of Fisher, I don't know why this is talking of Fisher. We almost conceded the most comical own goal ever at Ipswich as well, where the ball rolled over Rushworth's foot straight after the goal. Yeah, and because um, he's all in all, I got an opinion, Mitch, that Rushworth is, you know, if if things fall in his way, he's he's got an England cap in him. Because he's got such a bright future and he's a very, he's got it all, hasn't he? He's got his great shot stopper, he commands his area, his distribution is great with both feet. Um, you know, he, he looks like he could be the, the real the real deal. And when you consider some of the England goalkeepers and where they've come from, and you think, well, Rushworth could follow in that track if he gets the right moves and see what happens with Brighton. But, you know, he's he's a top keeper, isn't he? He is, yeah. And it, it reminds me a lot of Freddie Woodman in terms of, you know, Premier League goalkeeper coming down to the championship and instantly being made number one. And you can see the quality there, can't you? And obviously he's worked with um, with um, Martin Margotson and stuff as well. So um, he's clearly going to be one for the future, um, maybe even at Brighton if it works out for him there. But yeah, I just think, you know, and coming back to your sort of original point on on the squad, I, I really like Josh Key. I think he's been a miss. Yeah. Um, Ashby, you can see that there's quality in there. He's not quite shown it yet, but I, I just get the impression that it might not even be with Swansea. You know, it always happens with loans. Sometimes someone will have a bad loan, but there's a, good, there's a good player in there. Oh, I'm thinking of Victor Gorkares as he was talking about that. Then, oh god, yeah, I think was it. Uh, I was I was there for his. Um, uh, who did they play in the FA Cup? Was it Stevenage? He scored against yeah, the right. goal, and he left the week after, didn't he? Yeah, and then you see then like oh, whatever it was last month where I know it was that game that didn't get played in the oh, but scored that unbelievable yeah. goal away to Belgium, didn't he? And you're yeah. thinking, is this the same player? No, oh, it was ridiculous. But that's the thing, you know, these these things happen with with lone players and but yeah, I just think the squad they've addressed the problem areas, but then you know they've they have been robbed of, you know, Ginelli. I think I think he was gonna have a he'd had a promising start, didn't he? That goal in the Carabao Cup was it Northampton, wasn't it? Um you know, scoring at QPR and he just had something different that they, they didn't have. So I think they're going to be things that they kind of really have to look at addressing in January, aren't they? They're lucky just before he went off against Sunderland, he won the penalty, didn't he? And you think that... Oh, Sheffield Wednesday, you mean? Sheffield Wednesday, sorry. Yeah, but he looked yeah. at that and you think he's, he looked like he was starting because he was probably the best player on the pitch in the opening 20, 25 minutes there because we were using him as an outball and he was... I know Sheffield Wednesday it was, but he was yeah. a very bright spark for us. So, 
No. You, call, call, you can mention number 11 if you want. I mean, this is the perfect time to mention it. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever told you about this, Mitch, but the, the number 11 is a cursed shirt. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's, as soon as he signed, I said this, and it's, it's happened again. Like, you just think, I, they need to be made aware of this, and, yeah, that number needs to be retired. I've if, never seen anything like If it. you want to do another big favour to us, boys, uh, Mitch, you want to write an article on the number 11 as well as you said, yeah. you get it up there. Yeah. <laughs> give you all the facts. Cause it's, it might, it might, it might even history. be... Might have been you boys, I can't remember, but I've I've definitely had this conversation. I'm sure it was in the office. I'm going back a few years now because, yeah, I'm trying to. I, I definitely haven't written about it, but I've had the conversation of it before. But yeah, okay. just you feel for him as well because it's it's a horrible injury as well. He's he's going to be out for so long. So, um, you know, to get a championship move would have been great for him. And but it is what it is. That's football. And like I said, I think that's why they've they've really got to make sure they get two or three quality additions in in January because you know after another little good run it's kind of petered out a little bit and you know they're just in that bottom half middle of the pack sort of malaise and it just feels like there's nothing to look forward to really so a couple of things I'm honestly thinking to myself right that we're going to probably stay in this area certainly until the new year maybe because of you know the lack of options in certain positions and if if I'm honest I'm looking at the season and thinking we've got Cardiff at home the week before the Wales playoffs and that does genuinely seem like the the key point of the season where yeah. we play Cardiff and then Wales have got those games. I'm already dreading that game. Yeah. Ramsey be fit for that now. You watch. <laughs> it, it's terrifying. I think with um with with the situation as it is at the moment, um the problem we've got, and sure you're not um alien to this either, Mitch, is whenever Swans Come and come and stuck and go on a little bit of a bad spell, which they've had plenty of already this season. There's loads of rumours coming out from the club, and there's loads of whispers and this and that's going on in the training field. And he's living in Cheltenham, yada yada. Is not and, and these are and these voices from apparently was within the club. Um, it almost feels like even if we go and win three and four games, he's not going to win those people around, the ones who aren't his biggest fans within the club and indeed outside of that. And it feels like we're just waiting for the inevitable moment where he does no longer be, he's no longer a Swansea City manager, really. It doesn't feel like this is ever going to be a turnaround and become a Swansea City hero. Is that just me or do you get that vibe as well? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think the reason I kind of think that was his comments in terms of, you know, the I'm not going to celebrate wins like we won the World Cup. And yeah, I think some of it might have been digs at the previous regime. Who knows? Um, but, you know, and the, the fact that he was doing that and then, you know, see him at Plymouth away giving three fist, fist bumps, fans are loving it. I'm like, oh, OK, you know, you changed your tune now, which is quite yeah. ironic. But, but, but at the end of the day, building a rapport with fans is quite a good thing to do. I think, it um, you know, it's it's pretty daft not to do it, in my opinion. So, um, Russell Martin did have that connection with fans. I found, you know, he'd go over to them before the game on away days and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, you know, I remember asking him about the, you know, when he used to do it at card, if he'd get booed when he walked on, and you know, he sort of reveled in all that stuff, didn't he? Which you know, Michael Duff's obviously taking a different approach, and it's not really his thing. But yes, yeah, so I think that's that that's kind of part of the thing where what you're trying to allude to. I think there, Martin, in terms of him not having this. Um, connection or like a feeling yeah. of yeah he's going to be the guy to take us to the Premier League and yeah bear in mind we've not seen enough results wise to think that anyway yet but you know a few wins here and there and if the squad does improve in January and people might change the tune and think oh actually you know because he had slow starts at Barnsley and Cheltenham and did really well with both didn't he so um, he's, a, he's a very different character as well isn't he when you think of the managers that have done really well yeah, and the, the, the kind of PR dreams if you like when you look at the likes of Roberto Martinez Brendan Rodgers Russell Martin as you just touched on there yeah. you'll get a little bit more leeway with a couple of bad well Russell Martin three wins in 23 yeah. last year is a perfect example but, of but also I think they're trying to play in a certain way isn't it if you're yeah, not really going to see yeah, why that's you're, you're trying to do and sometimes it depends on your circumstances now I think there'd be more sympathy for Duff if he hadn't had the backing that he'd had as well, wouldn't it? I mean, it does spend a lot. You know, he spent a lot, brought a lot in. I know that could be a bit of a transition and stuff like that, but I mean, we're, we're comparing it, aren't we, to where the previous regime, it was one out, one in at best. And obviously in January, it was five out, none in. And it's that makes it far trickier then, doesn't it? So, so it might feel as if Duff's getting less sympathy because you're comparing it to the last regime and going, well, the last guy had no backing and got us 10th, well, this guy's got... Has had a load of players in and went currently 17th, and it might seem harsh on the face of it. 
But it's when you put everything together sometimes. And I think one of the things I don't like is the amount of aimless long balls I keep seeing. And I just think, well, you know, that's just not what we do. I mean, you can you shouldn't really do that in a situation where if you're hanging on at the end and you've got to get rid of it. I mean, I don't like to see it's just aimlessly lump it. I don't mind a pass, that's, you know, a long pass going forward if there's an idea of trying to pick someone out with it. But yeah, I mean, that that's one thing in particular I don't like. But I mean, what interests me now is that We've got quite a big week coming up. We're home to Hull. We're away to Leeds, which is going to be very tough, I would have thought. And then we're home to Huddersfield. Now, as things stand, we've had five wins in 16. Now, I think that if we don't get a win against Hull Saturday, there's going to be a bit of pressure here because, like I said, it'll probably go then. It'll be five and 17. It'll probably be five and 18, surely, because I don't see us winning the Leeds. So then you look at that Huddersfield game. They're a team that are poor. They're down the bottom. I mean, the manager could be under real pressure then. I mean, do you think that could be the case, Mitch? Yeah, most probably, um, because you know that that was the downside. With you, you look at Russell Martin, both both certainly his first season, it was a slow start in terms of um, results and even performances. You know that you could see what he was doing, but it took time, didn't it? Whereas this season, I find you couldn't see what he was doing. Performances were bad, and results were even worse. So I think he's already sort of fighting that kind of battle, and you know things have steadied out, but naturally it means you're going to be under pressure when you have any kind of bad run because you know what, what they're, they're looking behind them at the moment probably in terms of the grand scheme of the championship table and that you know they, I think we're going to be fair to say there's enough poor teams and you know Sheffield Wednesday they've been awful and a couple of couple of others not been great to not have to worry about that in the in the long term in terms of the relegation zone but um you know as Steve said a, a couple of tough games in there and if you suddenly drop into 20th, 21st and you're hovering above it going into the January window, well, are the club going to say you're the man to spend this money in January or do you make the change then? So, you know, this November, December time is crucial because that's going that, that has to factor into your thinking as well, doesn't it? You can't go and back a manager in January and then think, oh, at the end of January, we've been terrible and we have to get rid of him because, you know, the players want to know who am I playing for and, and how is it going to work, you know? Yeah, definitely. What do you think? Uh, do you think he could be? Is there pressure this weekend? <clears throat> I think he's. I think to be honest, as I was saying a few minutes ago, I think every game is pressure for him now because I don't. I don't see that he's going to be able to win over a large section at the Swan. So every game is. Uh, we we talk so often on this podcast of style versus substance, and if you go for substance, then you better make sure you get it because if you go for style and you don't get the result, people will appreciate what they see. Um, but if you go for substance and you just go into grind out results and then you don't get the result, then you've got nothing else to hang your hat on. And that was one of my big gripes with Cooper, as you know, from a few years ago, was was kind of like we were just trying to play for those one nils. And he was remarkably successful at it. But then you look at it and every time we'd lost a couple on the bounce and... I mean, thank God we were in lockdown because I was losing my head. <laughs> just thinking, well, I do, well, I don't think you'd have been the only one. That's the thing. It's an interesting dynamic, that whole thing, isn't it? Of you're in lockdown and, um, you know, the, there's no oh, we'd crowd. we off a few times. Oh, I think so. Even after one or two wins, there would have been murmurings, I think, wouldn't there? You know where it's like down here. So, yeah, I, I'm sure I remember in John Holland's era that when we won the league, there was a lot of games where... You know, the crowd were not I remember happy. We, we used to whistle for full time after about 65 minutes there because we'd yeah. score one. We'd only ever score one. Yeah. And we'd just have Matthew Bum, Jason Smith just lumping it away. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, for a bit of context, we won the league, which is now Leeds. Yeah, yeah. It's John Orleans as manager. We scored 51 goals to win the league, which is quite remarkable. So you can imagine it was not easy on the eye. Incredible defence. It is yeah. bonkers. And then you look at like Paolo Sousa and stuff, the way that he played, and yet he was. Uh, was it seventh? Just the seventh. Yeah. Forty goals that was to get yeah. seventh. Exactly. The one thing you hated about that is he left Trundle on the bench so often. Well, <laughs> he's got the best goals. Well, Trundle scored five goals from two starts and a number of sub appearances. Gorka Pintado scored two goals from twenty starts. Now it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out <laughs> that maybe he might be making the bad call there. You know what I'm going to yeah. tell you? Well, feed the ball. Feed the ball. <laughs> no, feed him. He won't score. <laughs> Oh, Paolo oh, Sosa was another one who wasn't one for necessarily um, artistry in terms of what he was looking for in a footballer. He was looking for that kind of but I think run he in the yard. Sosa liked passing, but then I think it's a bit of a Portuguese thing. They like a bit of a, a lump up front. But even yeah. Mourinho's like that, isn't he? It was, um, his, you know, they he's always loved a dropper, isn't he, or something like that. And so obviously then Sosa brought in um, Ad Pintado and then he brought in Chefi Cucci, didn't he? Yeah, just those type of. 
of players they like in strikers. Probably missed the best chance I've seen for a Swansea City player oh, in okay. my life, possibly. Oh, Shefki Kuchi, yeah. Yeah. Do you think we had some double 10 strikers, mind? Yeah, he did. Rogers couldn't get the right one, could he, until Barini came in the year he went up and then obviously signed Danny Graham, so that was fine. But ultimately, you go back to that very argument where uh, Souza was a more substance manager. He wasn't. Uh, he was. Uh, he was possession based, but he was defensive, wasn't it? And he showed yeah. up the defence a lot. And um, Rogers was was style, albeit they come a lot with substance as well. But uh, you have that if you can enjoy watching it very much, like Potter's year when we just got relegated. We we just seen the world fall apart. We let. 20-odd players leave off for peanuts at the end of the season. We were looking like we could go to the wall, Mitch, and then in comes the youth team, basically, to carry the squad through. And by and large, it was just a really fun season to watch players, you know, dazzle and show with, with, with little fear. Yeah, I'm glad you used the word fun because I'll be honest, that was my first full season covering them full-time. I'd done them part-time for years before it with Wales Online, but... I genuinely, that's the second half, remember, was it they won five out of six or something? And you go into the Liberty, um, sorry, the dot com, um, and the, um, you just, you were buzzing for the games like DJ, Ollie McBurney, Roden, these boys that were just outstanding, even like Matt Grimes and Jay Fulton, you know, boys that are still there now. And it was genuinely fun to watch and the, the style was brilliant. And, and in the end, I think we were talking about the playoff picture towards the end. And yeah, I think there were a good few points off it in the end and finished 10th, didn't they? But, it was just what a season that was. Um, just so fun yeah, to watch. I, I always look back on that season as being like the not not that I'm criticising anybody. The frustration that we didn't get one more year of it because yeah. I think we'd have done really well. There were many weaknesses, but we only had a small squad. But obviously, it started a bit slow, which it would because it's a transition. Because I mean, Dan James being the best example. I mean, he did grow from a boy into a man during that yeah. season. I mean, Roden had barely played any games. McBurney had played a few previously. But it just felt like those players then were at the point where obviously they were really good. A few of them got moves off the back of it. If we could have just kept that for another season, we'd have done really well, I think. But obviously finances dictate that was never going to happen. And unfortunately, uh, Porter went to Brighton and that was that, wasn't it? But um, yeah, there was that, that was an enjoyable season, wasn't it? And I think you can, even though we didn't get into the playoffs, I think sometimes that just... Sort of shows we're still talking fondly about that. I mean, well, so, someone like Burst and Selena as well. Yeah. It was a bit of a enigma out there. Yeah. Whatever. He had such a good, um, such a good year under Potter, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a funny one sometimes that you, you know, you can talk about it with World Cup sometimes. I mean, the Dutch teams of the seventies they get talk, spoken about more fondly than some others, for example. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's a funny one, really, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, that, and that's the thing. It's like like you said there, and you look at the, because of the style they played, and that's why he's still talking about it. You know, Steve Cooper got swans to the playoffs twice, and, you know, people don't really reference the the sort of the, that that team and the year. And maybe it's because there was a lot of lone players and, you know, they didn't really stay on. Whereas the, the academy boys coming through, they'd had success under Gary Richards and, and Cam Toshak before being given the chance under, um, under Graham Potter with the first team. So, yeah, it's it's one that you'll we'll always look back on fondly, even though there was no sort of real success, if you want to quantify it in that sort of term, which comes back to the style thing, isn't it? You know, it's always a, a big thing at the club and fans just want to see good entertaining football, don't they? And, you know, you can, I wouldn't say you can pass on success and achievements, but I think that season did kind of prove, especially with the backdrop of just coming out of the Premier League, that, you know, if it was good to watch and you could see progress, people would sit back and say, OK, no problem, I can, I can, I can accept this. I think with what we've seen over the last two years as well, Steve, was um, we employed possibly the most extreme version of that style manager. Almost, I think so. I'm going to say almost too far to the point where you were just thinking, oh, can we have a little bit of sense here? We don't, I don't want us to spend any great length of time looking at the opposition or anything like that, but can we have an idea of what happens when the opposition press high or something like that so we don't constantly just keep passing short we have a little bit of a plan B yeah well we'd always say wouldn't we that the previous managers that were successful they wouldn't employ that goal kick routine no um, it was never five at the back and getting caught out we would always ship a few goals but I mean under Martinez we did ship a few didn't we but it was pacey wide players a lot of it was wasn't it yeah we would dominate the ball but then we would take risks as well to one thing in, we, we? we said a lot last year and the year before was our defensive players were the most creative on the pitch and our attacking players then when we got up there 
were kind of more reserved and trying to pass it and pass it and pass it. But our defenders yeah. were the ones who were taking risks. And you're thinking this almost feels in reverse backwards to what we normally expect to see. But this probably Mitch. There's, there's a, I wouldn't say a happy medium between the two because it's got to be a lot further towards Russell Martin. But there's elements of it where you say, if you just had a slightly less extreme version of it, I think all part, I mean, everyone's looking for it though, aren't they? They're looking for the successful style with, which entertains fans as well. But Swansea have had a blueprint for it over the years. And um, if it isn't to be with Michael Duff, I, I think the new owners kind of, would you hope they'd have an idea or the people there would know what sort of manager they want to go for next? Yeah, I mean, succession planning is a massive part. And we were talking about it with Noel Mooney and Rob Page, and it's the same at club level, probably more so because it's more volatile, isn't it? And you're playing so much more often, so more more often. So um, I, they've they've obviously got this idea. You know, they understand that there, there is this demand for that type of football, possession-based attacking you know energy excitement that sort of thing and I know that can be a bit of an ideal and it's what everybody wants in theory but you know I think certainly Michael Duff he's kind of looked at the last two seasons and said you know yes there was a lot of good stuff but we weren't doing some of the simpler stuff right and he's tried to find more of a balance isn't he and yeah I don't, I don't think he's got it yet but you know you can certainly see that that's what he's trying to do and um, but you know, in terms of Russell Martin, is that when his style works, it's unbelievable. You know, as, as you saw yeah. the Derby games or some of the other some of the performances and some of the, the goals, you'd watch them back and it was just unbelievable to watch. But naturally, it came with the caveats of disasters at the back, didn't it? So um, it's just about finding that balance, isn't it? And, that, and that's the toughest thing, especially when you change your entire squad. Was it thirteen players in the summer and stuff? So and you know, a good chunk of them go and get injured early on. So. He deserves time. You know, Russell Martin did get a lot of time in fairness, and, and rightly so, he, he, he should. Um, but I think you know Michael Duff certainly needs until January and maybe mould the squad a little bit more. It's just it's just whether he gets that time, and, and that's where you just need to pick up some wins between now and Christmas, don't you? Final thoughts: Will he be in the job in the January transfer window opens? I think he probably will be. I mean, but things can turn quickly, can't they? We know what it's like in this division. This, there's a lot of games between now and yeah, and, and Christmas then, period comes yeah, up. It's crazy. This, this is it. This, you know, we know we got as we've alluded to three games this week now coming up. And I mean, I think in mid-December we're in the same boat. I think we got Stoke and a midweek away from home. So that's another one there. And then obviously, as you say, at Christmas, so all these bloody international breaks. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have one for a while now, so so don't worry. You won't you won't have to see Rob Page's head for a, for a little while. Uh, <laughs> it can't be soon enough. <laughs> Well, I did joke to my mates the other day between him and Bob Bradley would be a great right said friend. Oh, <laughs> but um, boys, now now, come on. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. what about you, Mitch? Do you think uh, on the balance of probability uh, when the January transfer window opens, Michael Duff will be the Swans manager? Yeah, I think so. Look, it's not been brilliant so far. There's been there's been enough to suggest that you know, yeah, give him time, let him mould the squad a little bit more because. He was only had a couple of months and, and and one window. So if he is going to get the back in in January, which you know I think Andy Coleman's publicly said that that's what they're planning to do, mm-hmm. um, then you know he's, he's going to have a better chance of getting more of what he wants. And yeah, it might be a bit of a dead rubber season, but you know if you then go into next summer and, and have a better idea of what you're doing, then second season you'd like to think that they can go on and improve. So and you're not going to get that if you you, you go and chop and change it. But I, I don't think they need to change it unless things were terribly bad, which they just aren't, you know, it's, it's not been great, but it's, it's not been terrible aside from the sort of opening few weeks, which to an extent you could forgive because it was all new and the big turnover. But, um, you know, they did did address it. And since that start, it's been on the whole, it's been OK. You know, it's been mid table, isn't it? Let's be honest. So, no, I think you'll still be there. No issues there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really got a lot to say, but we mentioned about Hull a little bit earlier on, Steve, and, and that the fact that he might need a win in the next couple because Leeds after that is, uh, it, it, you'd, you'd imagine we'd be up against it there. Um, but before we end the pod, I do tend to try and end now on a bit of a positive spin, mainly because a lot of them aren't the greatest in the whole length of it. <laughs> so can you give us something? I'll come to you, Mitch, as well. So you've got a couple of minutes to think about it. I'm checking this on Steve. You should expect it by now. Uh, for some nugget of uh, positivity before we close the pod. Um, our mate John always talks about law of averages, and we must be do a home win because there's not been many <laughs> of them. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like, I do think that, I'm not sure we'll win Saturday. Um, I do think we'll beat Huddersfield at home. 
they've, they've got a feeling Saturday might be a draw. But look, if we get four points from the next three, it's not terrible. That's not going to put you in. That's all we had from the last three. Wasn't yeah, it? I think Which that. Is, I think that might happen. But it would look. I think at home we've not been great, have we? We've got no. We, we've got to. And if we don't win one of these two at home, it's, it would be a really bad record. There, we've got to keep this positive. By the way, this. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, look, I do think we will win one of them. I, I'm not sure it'll be Saturday. I think Hull are actually quite a decent team. I think. Liam Rossini is a, a decent manager. They've got some good players. I mean, they signed Philogene, didn't they, who was a rare Cardiff bright spot last season. Mm. Mm. So he's there. Um, I think it'll be a challenging one. I think, you know, but I do think, I think we'll be Huddersfield. So, you know, I'm assuming we won't do a pod next week because there's that midweek game. But yeah, I think we'll take four points in the next three. And if, you know, we look when you're in 17th, that's not a bad return, is it? So... I'll, that's my positive. That's your positive. Have you had a little think, Mitch? Have you come up with any bright sparks for me to end the pod on with a smile? Yeah, I'm glad you gave me a bit of thinking time because I had to try and figure something out. But I'm, I'm going to go a little bit left field here and say Charlie Bettino coming back because he missed the last game through suspension and they've had the time off. I think that little break in the breather will have done in the world of good because he's a yeah. quality, but he's fantastic, isn't he? You, 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 you've both seen. Um, and I just feel that, you know, he's not been completing full games and, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, even though we have seen some good moments. I think that'll do him the world of good and I'm, I'm backing him to sort of come back in and, and really make an impact on Saturday and hopefully for, you know, for weeks and months to come. But yeah, well, um, the Patino show on Saturday, you heard it here first. Nice. Let's not fall in love with a lone player. We say it every season. <laughs> Sorry, boys. <laughs> but I, I already have with the goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. I think that's partly because of the hate you had from his predecessor, to be honest with you. But no, it's done no harm. <laughs> no, absolutely. Mitch, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to the pod and uh, delighting us again. No, thanks very much for having me, boys. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. It's been great. Um, we won't do one next week now because, like you say, we've got the Wednesday night game against Leeds. Um, but after the Huddersfield game, then we'll come back. And, uh, well, four points is the target. Anything more is a bonus, no? Well, I think six is the target because we've got two home games. But, you know, we've got to aim a bit higher. But, look, if we get four, that's that's reasonable. We'll, we'll see. If we don't get four, I think we, we should be disappointed. That's, that's not great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, from myself, Steve, and our special guest, Ian Mitchell-Moore, thank you so much for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye.